Hello and welcome to the Our Wisdom podcast. I'm Geeta Sundaram from Goa, India, and I'm here to talk to you about all things business, politics, and culture. Thank you for joining me. In this edition of the Our Wisdom podcast, we will be looking at the post-Trump global economic order. I don't mean to suggest that Trump's exit from the political scene in the US was a foregone conclusion, especially since the 2020 election was closely contested, and it was also anticipated to be disputed and therefore fiercely challenged by the incumbent president who had already begun his conspiracy theory campaign early in the year. Still, it offers us a chance to explore what kind of a world order and a global economy we wish to have in the post-Trump era. Needless to say his influence on US politics and the economy as well as the world economy and the multilateral order was immense as the president of the United States of America in his case i would say it was even more since he managed to reduce the gop to insignificance and tried to do the same with the multilateral world order and even if it was only 4 years the effects are likely to linger well into the next presidency That's because he attempted to upend a well-established economic system that had worked well for the US and for most of the world for several decades. In fact, the single-minded agenda of his presidency was only to undo the legacy of the previous president, and it can be seen in each one of his policy decisions. The only one he couldn't quite manage to pull off is repealing and replacing the ACA. Let's look at all that Trump represented and fought for right from his 2016 election campaign anti-globalization anti-multilateralism anti-immigration anti-climate change reforms anti-china trade policies anti-africa aid policies america first it becomes quite clear that his policies were more anti-everything as he lashed out to appeal to his voter base than for anything in particular except america first Even that proved to be pure rhetoric as a quick examination of his policies over the past 4 years will reveal. Anti-globalization and America first are interconnected in Trump's reckoning and are two sides of the same coin. However, he attempted to remedy the loss of jobs of his white non-college educated constituency with what seemed to me even then the wrong solution. His America first rhetoric on the economic front led to anti-china trade policies as well as pulling out of tpp and rewriting the nafta none of this has brought back manufacturing jobs to the us the way he promised in fact americans have borne the brunt of higher prices thanks to higher tariffs on chinese and european imports and farmers too have lost out on export markets because china retaliated business investment and the creation of jobs has barely grown According to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, net domestic business investment in the US has grown 110 US billion dollars between Q1 of 2017 and Q4 2019 and at 568 billion dollars. It is still lower than the Q1 2015 levels of 673 billion US dollars. America has not managed to reduce its trade deficit with Mexico despite renegotiating NAFTA to UMSCA. 
Trade deficits in Trump's reading are symbolic of the unfairness of trade terms and his answer has been to declare an all-out trade war. A year ago, I had written a blog post on who benefits from trade wars in the context of the US-China trade war and I had said that on balance, the US would tend to lose much more than China and many other developing countries too would be adversely impacted. In fact, the census.gov website states that US's trade deficit in goods with China rose steadily between 2016 and 2018 to reach a high of 418 billion US dollars, falling only in 2019 to 346 billion US dollars, which is still at 2016 levels. Similarly, with Mexico, US's trade deficit in goods rose over several years to reach 101 billion US dollars in 2019 and has fallen only in 2020, probably due to the pandemic, where in August 2020 it is already at the 2017 full year levels. Besides, increasing tariffs don't improve a country's competitiveness. In fact, I would even argue that America's economic competitiveness has been adversely impacted. That's because of Trump's anti-immigration policies. For even if his anti-immigration policies were initially targeted at certain Islamic countries, there is no doubt that it would have had a downward pressure on immigration overall. Because along with Trump's anti-globalization stance went his promise to wall off outsiders, literally and figuratively, in order to protect jobs at home. America is losing its competitiveness, fear many businesses, and according to the World Economic Forum Global Competitiveness Report, the US had improved its ranking from 7 in 2014-15 to 5 in 2015-16 and 3 in 2016-17, but has stagnated since, and one of the main reasons offered is low productivity. According to BBC News citing US data on immigration, student visas are down by 2%, and permanent residencies down by 13% between 2016 and 2019 as a result of Trump's policies. On the other hand, immigrants are actually the source of most innovations in the US, as most technology and blue-chip companies will tell you. According to CNBC, Vox and other media reports quoting corporate bosses and tech titans in the US, immigrants are the driving force behind innovations and several tech giants took on Trump's immigration ban when it was first announced. Climate change is where Trump has acted most recklessly, reversing all the good work that had been done in previous years. Except that here too, the economics of good environmental policies have proved to be much stronger than Trump would have liked. Despite his attempts at undoing all Obama-era environment regulations and trying to revive coal, the march of renewables in the US has been steady. America pulling out of the Paris Accord was yet another instance of Trump's inability to work with multilateral institutions. As I mentioned in my previous podcast, the cost of environment disasters globally was $650 billion US dollars between 2016 and 18, according to a Morgan Stanley report, with the US being the worst affected. Perhaps the straw that finally broke the camel's back was COVID-19. Thanks to the unemployment benefits that millions received, the US GDP for the third quarter has seen a sharp rebound at an annualized 33.1%. However, sequentially the economy has grown at a much more modest 7.4% and is still lower than the year-ago period by 2.9% according to the Atlantic Council. 
Fortunately, the growth is broad-based across consumption, investment and exports. But with unemployment benefits having run out in July 2020 and with no new relief package announced, America is in for a severe winter. Besides, the pandemic has exposed all the weaknesses of the U.S. healthcare system and the complete disregard for following science and sensible regulations has only aggravated it. You'd have to agree that the past four years of Trump's policies have done more to damage confidence and trust within the U.S. and outside. Because it isn't just one Trump that the world has to deal with. Just look at Boris Johnson and his Brexiteers, or Viktor Orban and his anti-immigration and anti-EU fans, or Narendra Modi and his anti-Islam and anti-China following. Add Poland, Turkey, Russia, Brazil, and this seems to be an epidemic too. All of the making of strong men, authoritarian leaders, and one that is even more deadly because of its toxic corrosiveness. I think we can look forward to the exit of Trump as a chance to remake the world economic order, including the US. Let's discuss that after this little break. You're listening to the Owl Wisdom podcast on the post-Trump world economic order. Next, we'll look at ways of remaking the global economy in the post-Trump era. Welcome back. What can we look forward to in the post-Trump world? Or more importantly, what should we focus on in order to make, remake the world economic order after Trump? I have been stressing on three areas where much-needed reforms are required in the context of the COVID pandemic. Reforming healthcare systems around the world, tougher climate change rules and the need for carbon taxes, regulating technology more sensibly and for the longer term. These would be high on the agenda for global economic reforms even in the post-Trump world. In addition, I think economies around the world need to do more to reduce inequality, especially in the wake of the COVID pandemic. As the pandemic has shown, poorer folk who live in congested urban surroundings and who already have poorer health tend to be disproportionately affected by the coronavirus. The pandemic has also shown that thanks to all the liquidity pumped in by central banks and the consequent stock market rallies, the rich have gotten richer, exacerbating income and wealth inequalities. According to Statista data cited by the Times of India, CNBC and CNBC billionaires' wealth rose by 27% to reach uh, 10.2 trillion US dollars during the just four months of the pandemic from April to July 2020. Billionaires in the tech sector alone saw an increase of as much as 42% to 1.8 trillion US dollars. This while millions of others lose their jobs or continue to be unemployed. Countries therefore need to look at their own fiscal policies and perhaps raise taxes where possible in order to meet some of the higher spending requirements that cannot be avoided during COVID. This would also apply to inequalities between countries. 
International financial institutions, including the multilateral ones, need to consider debt forgiveness to poorer nations, or at least relaxing their terms of repayment, as many economists have argued. The G20 system of discussion and coordinated policy responses ought to be revived. It proved to be an important forum for discussion and policy coordination during the recovery years after the 2008 financial crisis. Returning to the G20, the UN Climate Change Summit, WTO negotiations as soon as possible next year is the need of the hour. It will make countries consider the wider implications of their policies rather than looking inward at their own domestic requirements, helping to create the right environment for international cooperation. I can't stress the importance of this enough, especially in the aftermath of the Trump years when he tried his best to dismantle all these multilateral forums. We need this for our own sakes and for the sake of all humanity. India is a key member of the G20 and has participated actively in multilateral fora. Despite our recent tensions with China over border issues, we need to engage more with the international community as well as concentrate on reforms that we need to initiate at home. Announcements made recently about the Quad read US, India, Japan and Australia engaging with each other in a bid to contain China during Mike Pompeo and Mark Esper's visit is all very well, but frankly our attention ought to be on domestic matters. The recent reforms in agriculture and labour that were passed are steps that are long overdue and are indeed in the right direction. However, the manner in which they were formulated and hurried through leaves one wondering whether any good will come of them. In the name of liberalisation, we can't swerve from one extreme to another and throw our farmers and workers to the wolves, to crony capitalists at the very least. There have to be enough safeguards built in to protect the interests of workers and farmers and there has to be a well-planned system that will replace the previous APMC Mundi system. Besides, agriculture and labour are state subjects in India, so one wonders how the government at the centre will implement these without enough discussion and getting the states on board. The centre-state friction is also playing out in the GST arena, where states need to be compensated for their losses and the centre is grudgingly willing to compensate them, but through loans. All this doesn't augur well for growth and stability in the country, and I doubt much investment will take place as a result. And as I keep emphasising, there is plenty that India needs to do to boost rural demand, as that is the mainstay of our consumption economy. Besides, infrastructure development too needs to be scaled up. Coming back to the loss of jobs in the Western world, which is what led to the rise of Trump and Johnson in the first place, let us not blame globalisation alone. The bigger culprit has been technology, which politicians are loath to accept which is why the regulation of tech also needs to go hand in hand with planning better for the future of work in the 21st century. Automation and AI are only going to accelerate post-COVID and with IoT in the foreseeable future, companies and governments need to better prepare their people through better education policies, reskilling and training programs to help people keep pace with the digital world. We need to forget about making America great for a while and focus on making our future in a better world and making the world a better place to live in. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Our Wisdom podcast. This is Geeta Sundaram signing off and wishing you well wherever in the world you might be.
For more owl wisdom, read my blog peripateticperch.com and follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.